Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. Final hour of the program. Jim Polzina, the State Journal, coming up here in about 15 minutes. We got some news and notes, just some little things. The Brewers completed kind of a minor trade today. Uh, they sent uh, the recently DFA lefty uh, Clayton Andrews to the Yankees in exchange for the righty Joshua Quizada, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's a 19-year-old, uh, 6-0 and with a 369 ERA in 11 games, four starts in the Dominican Summer League last season. So the Brewers are making a little stockpile there. In the meantime, the Chiefs announced today that they extended their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnolo, and they gave him uh, a nice uh, pay bump. And uh, obviously for the stout defense that they had. By the way, the Chiefs today, this afternoon, celebrating their championship. They have the parade today. And, yeah, it's uh, it, it's big and loud and off the hook. And <laughs> there you go. Uh, also, uh, in, the, uh, in the world of news, the uh, now this is interesting, and it may not be a big deal to you, but this this could end up hurting the Lions. But the Commanders' general manager Adam Peters, he's hiring the Lions' senior director of player personnel Lance Newmark. He's the new quote assistant GM. You're not allowed to make a lateral move, but he's now the assistant general manager. He's a long time. I mean, he's been around. God, I want to say twenty plus years as one of the better scouts if you will uh but he was also the guy that really kind of put together and found a lot of the talent that they have on that team instrumental in building the the lions and they're hoping that he can do the same with the washington commanders but you know one team's gain is another team's loss and i remember when you know first it was schneider he left and then it was dorsey he left and you know when you start pulling away the pieces of your scouting department, of people that are really good and really reliable, it it changes things. Think about this. You know, if you took a new job today, if you, you know, say you're, you know, a construction worker and suddenly, and you know everything about construction, you know, you can build a house, you can do whatever, but now you're the head of the contractors. You know, you go from being the worker to the head of the contractors. Now you got to put all the contractors under you. It takes you a while. You may know what needs to be done, but it takes you a while to, to, to wrangle everybody, okay? I'm only giving you this as, as an example. Same thing, that suppose you were the head of, scout, head of college scouting for the West Coast, and now all of a sudden you're the head of player personnel, and now you're kind of with the general manager going over everybody, not only scouting but going over. It takes you a while to wrap your arms around it. That's why I say that that could be something that ultimately hurts the Lions. So the Lions making a move. Uh, or the Washington Commanders making a move today as well. So that popped up. And then uh, the Brandon Ayuk stuff, the trade rumors running rampant right now. Uh, after the Super Bowl, uh, you know, gave us the first overtime, you know, play with the new rules and such. Uh, Kyle Shanahan under some scrutiny, obviously. Um, but uh, Shanahan on the defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, in his future, he said we're going to talk about a ton as the week goes on. Uh, so he's talking about that. Shanahan later, later added that he expects all of his coaches back, but a lack of a definitive, uh, definitive answer gives you some thought there. In the meantime, uh, the right guard Spencer Buford took responsibility for the Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones having a free shot at Brock Purdy, and he didn't get that wrong. But meanwhile, uh, Armstead said he tore the meniscus in his right knee. Uh, against the Eagles, played through it in the postseason, but going to need surgery in the coming days. And he's hoping for a return. There's Brandon Ayuk, 
was asked if he would remain with the team and uh, responded, quote, if it's the right move. Then he got emotional uh, discussing this past season, also has one more year on his rookie deal, but was very outspoken. And meanwhile, GM John Lynch weighed in on the Ayuk stuff and his future with the team said, been a fantastic, been a fantastic player for us. Not he is. He said he's been. Kyle calls him a warrior all the time. The way he goes out, competes. You can see the passion, the production, uh, production. We're extremely prideful in what he's become. Of course, we want a guy like Brandon to be a part of us moving forward. And that was kind of where he stopped because he said, talked about it kind of in the past tense, but once I'm around. But remember, Ayuk was basically waving bye-bye to everybody, him and his family and everything. So there's some talk about him possibly being traded. And uh, you've got some other you know, possible movement going on. But the Rams, their uh, former Titans director of football administration, Don Stryker, joining the Rams staff for uh, strategy. Seahawks uh, regarding their new C- the Seahawks offense, according to Ryan Grubb. An anonymous AFC executive thinks the coordinator proved that he could, quote, create mismatches, that he's going to be a good fit there. There's other, I mean, there's all kinds of talks and rumors and stuff floating around, but the big one is about Ayuk and whether or not he's going to remain with the 49ers because he seemed to be a little more than pissed about the way things were handled down the stretch, but then maybe he had some buyer's remorse after what he said, I guess, because he got emotional yesterday when asked about it as the team was kind of cleaning out the locker, so to speak. So a lot of interesting stuff going on throughout the NFL right now. So, uh, again, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Uh, this is John Lynch, and he is talking about Brandon Ayuk and, uh, the you know, the possibility of even an extension. What kind of plan is there for Brandon Ayuk this offseason, and is extending him a, a top priority for you? Yeah, you have to prioritize all these things. You know, Brandon's entering his fifth-year option. Uh, Brandon's been a fantastic player for us. Uh, you know, Kyle calls him a warrior all the time because of the way he goes out and competes. And I, I mean, that shines through any anybody who, whether you're a trained eye or whether you're a fan, you can see the passion he plays with. You can see the production that he's had. Uh, we're extremely, uh, you know, um, prideful in what he's become, and and he should be as well. And so, you know. Your team is comprised of guys, you know, veterans who've been paid very well, of guys who want to play, be played very well. We got one guy on our team who, you know, is pretty prominent who can't be played very, you know, real well right now because the, the CBA doesn't allow. So it's all one big puzzle. Uh, we've developed a good cadence over the years, Kyle and I, where he focuses on the season. We, we do all the planning and then we present things to him and we work through it. And that's what we'll continue, continue to do. But of course, you want a guy like Brandon Ayuk to be a part of you going forward. So there you go. That's what his thought is on Brandon Ayuk, but he's right. The guy that he's talking about is Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy can't get paid via the CBA, so they want to take care of him. They can't right now. They will eventually. If he has another good season, they will eventually. He's going to get he's going to get money. But uh but yeah, it's uh it's a little uh with Brandon Ayuk speaking out after the game and that you, you you know, the old discussion always is in the heat of the moment, you never let the emotions get you and never hit enter while you're emotional. Make sure it's well thought out. Don't bring emotions into it, you know, before you hit enter because we see that happen too often where somebody hits something and you're kind of like, well, wait a minute, you know, and look at Devondre Campbell, you know, after the game against Tampa Bay, he gets criticized for the way that, you know, Evans and company were handled and, 
you know, right after the fact, he tweets out that, you know, hey, I'm, I'm tired of busting my ass to come back and yada, 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 and I get blamed for it. And then uh, it wasn't long after that that his wife had tweeted something out about this season can't be over soon enough, as if to say they were tired of it and just, you know, maybe insinuating, if you want to read into it, that maybe they didn't want to be here or couldn't wait to get out of here or something. But, you know, it just – you never want to do it with emotions. And maybe IU cast it now to try to figure out a way to put the blank back on the horse, so to speak. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Meanwhile, Matthew says, uh, are you going to mention at all the Milwaukee Bucks and the loss last night? Just wondering. We did at the beginning of the show. I don't know what specific you want to talk about. It was just, it was a bad performance. I, I ended up shutting it off because it was, it was evident. And again, it's Miami. I don't know what it is about Miami, but Whenever they play Milwaukee, they come in with a vengeance. And they just, I don't know, out-hustle them. Maybe Spolster's just got their number. I don't know. But I, they they have talent, but they're not overwhelmingly talented. The Bucks have far more talent. And maybe it's the fact that, you know, Butler's still pissed off that Dame didn't end up going there, that he wanted to come in with a, just a vengeance and, you know, eat them up last night, or maybe the organization just felt it as a whole that they were kind of shunned, but they just, that you were, it was clear. And and it's always the old built-in excuse. Wow. It's back to back. I get that. I get you're tired. You're still beat up from the night before we've seen it, but it was a back to back at home. You don't get that very often where you just get, you really play extremely well. You're talking about the defending champs and you got humiliated by them earlier this month, earlier last month. And, you lost to Denver, so you extract a little revenge, and you're rolling, and you finally put the train back on the tracks only to watch that thing go careening down the hill. You know, just it just looked bad last night. So I don't know what else you want me to talk about. I mean, just hasn't been – and it's not Doc Rivers' fault. Doc was thrown into a bad situation. Again, I watched that game last night with – put it this way, I watched that game last night with about as much interest as the players looked on the floor. Hell yeah. I love that. That That is probably the best way to put it. I ended up turning it off because they turned it off. So they they just didn't look like they wanted to be there. Like they were, well, we beat Denver last night. We can, we can go with this. So they have one more left before the All-Star break, a much-needed All-Star break. But now it's a sprint, man. It's an absolute sprint to the finish line. And I know they're going to make the postseason. I'm not worried about that. Because when it comes to the Bucs, let's be honest, it's not about making the postseason. It's about winning in the postseason. They didn't bring Dame in to be a, a you know, what if in the Eastern Conference. They brought Dame in to get them to the, the league finals, period. And if they don't make it to the NBA finals this year, nobody to blame but themselves. Nobody to blame but themselves. Whether it's Dame and to blame him, because he isn't doing enough on a continuum. If it's Giannis, if it's the star, because I've always said the stars are the high tides that need to raise the ships. And if you're not doing it, then you're nothing more than a piece. You're a high dollar, high priced, high exposed piece of nothing. You, you know, you're the hood ornament on a car that, you know, put a Rolls Royce hood ornament on a, on a Pinto. That's all you are. You're the most expensive piece of the the crappy car. So, uh, I hope they are able to turn it around. I really do. But yeah, there's got to be something more there. 
than what we're seeing. And I, again, I feel bad for a guy like Brooke Lopez, who I've watched a lot of this season, just bust his ass. He's blocking shots and boxing out, and and then he's looking around, and there's like, there's no help. Everybody else is down the other end of the floor waving at him, you know, going, ah, it's a scorer's game. Don't worry about it. You know, so I feel bad for him. Uh, let's do this. We'll step away. When we come back, we'll talk about the win last night. And has this put the train back on the tracks? Jim Polzine of the State Journal is going to join us. That is coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Michael's show. I gotta, I gotta stop for a second. Now the Chiefs have their parade going on after winning the Super Bowl. Grant, did you see the video of Pacheco? The one of him yelling up into the sky. No, he's got a goat, a live goat. He's he's on the parade route carrying a live goat. Jeez, I saw Willie Gay drunk laying in the street, which is yeah, cool at a too. championship parade. When I do it on Third Street in downtown Lacrosse, it's considered right. you know disorderly <laughs> conduct or whatever. Or you can't do it at the Waste Management Open. You can yeah. can do it at a Super Bowl parade though. You're nothing more than a speed bump at that point. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Pacheco, where the hell do you get a live goat? And why why are you carrying a live goat? By the way, the goat is wearing a Chiefs jersey. So he's wearing he's carrying a live goat. <laughs> Down the middle of the parade route. That's hilarious. I love that. All right, let's do this. Uh, let's bring him in. And uh, Jim Polzine, the State Journal, joining us for a couple of minutes uh, on the hotline and uh, a guy that has never carried a live goat pretty much anywhere, which I'm I'm glad to say. Jim, how you doing, buddy? Good, Bill. You don't know that, by the way. Well, you know, not officially. I mean, you know, it could be a bad date on a Friday night. I understand that, but not not a not a championship goat. And nobody's walking around with that. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jim, uh, give me give me the lowdown on this basketball team. They uh, they got uh, the Ohio State head coach can today, and they finally put the train back on the tracks. But was it a good enough win to make you a believer? Not yet. I need to see more. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see a stack this with a, another performance at Iowa and get a win there. Um, th- there was a lot of good last night, I thought, but I thought there was also a lot of shaky moments on both ends of the court. So the important thing was they needed to end the losing streak. They needed to get a win. They needed to build some confidence and get some feel-good thoughts uh, in that locker room. But I still, I think the takeaway is there's still a lot to work on. They're not where they need to be. Let's go back to the Nebraska game. They're rolling. They're number six in the country. Everybody is flying high. And I don't know if that was justified or not, but, hey, that's where they were, and we were all looking at this thing with two wide-open eyes. And then Nebraska hits, and you can kind of say, well, you know what, maybe you're looking a little past Nebraska because you got Purdue coming into the Kohl Center. And then it just seemed to spiral. What happened? Yeah, a lot. I mean, I really thought they played pretty well at the first half at, at Nebraska, which is which made that collapse even more shocking. It's just, I think that second half and overtime shook them. Uh, I thought actually thought they played pretty well against Purdue a couple days later at the Kohl Center. I mean, I thought it was probably the best of that those four games they had. Um, the, the game at Michigan's inexcusable. I just didn't think they showed any urgency. Uh, and then Rutgers is a, it's a tough place to play. B, it's a little bit better team than that record. Its record indicates because they've got some guys back. 
Um, so that loss didn't surprise me, but losing by 22 surprised me. So it's a lot. I mean, it's not just one thing, Bill. It's it's, it's both ends of the court. It's shooting, it's shot selection, turnovers. Um, a lot of things got away from this team that it was doing well. I, I go back to shot selection and turnovers. Last night, again, 12 turnovers in that contest. You held Ohio State. Well, Ohio State, by the way, uh, only eight turnovers in that ball game. They just didn't shoot nearly as well. But that being said, I completely agree with you. I think it was sloppy. I keep hearing George Carl in my head saying you have to value the basketball and the possession. And it seemed like they've gotten away from that because they were so good at that early on. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is that a lot of times it happens in the first half, and a lot of times it just comes in, in chunks. I mean, they had eight in the first 20 turn- in possessions last night. And then they went the next 20 without a turnover. So, I mean, they, they've proven they can take care of the ball. Um, some of them are so un- unavoidable. I think that the, the turnover numbers were going to be a little bit higher this year because of the way they're playing. I mean, I think Greg Gard is fine with them being aggressive. That, that's part of the reason this offense is, is more efficient than it was last year is they're taking some more chances. They're going to the basket. Uh, he wants Stephen Crowell to put his head down and, and be aggressive. And with that, you're going to get charges. You're going to get some traveling calls. You're going to get passes that um, – you know, just don't quite get to their intended target. So I, I get all that, and I think you can live with that. But, man, you, you can't have eight in 20 possessions, and you can't have games like they've had. So they've got to limit that number without giving up efficiency on the offensive end. Is the, it, the shocking thing for fans is that it's just, it, it hasn't happened here. This has been a program for a long time that's taken care of the ball. Is is that a guard thing, or is that just, uh, like you said, a product of there, – there's – you know, there was always the old adage of you can be aggressive without being reckless. And at times they've been reckless. Is that a, because there's all the guard dislikers will say they've come out of the woodwork to say, see, I told you so. This is not that kind of a team. But I keep going back to they did a lot of things really well. Even when they did turn the ball over, they were like you said, they were aggressive in doing it early on this season and all the way up until that Nebraska game. So I I don't know what team to believe right now. Are, are we seeing maybe a reclamation project of what they were and they just got their confidence stymied for a little bit? Or is this who they really are? Yeah, we're going to see. I mean, I, I just think it's way too premature to say. I just, you know, we one game, a one-game sample isn't enough to convince me that this team is back. Uh, I mean, the good news about when that losing streak happened is there's time. There's, there's plenty of time for this team to write its – it's ship and there's the schedule is a little bit more favorable down the stretch. Uh, so, you know, there's time to build a winning streak, build some momentum heading into the postseason. Um, but I, I, my, my gut feeling is it's somewhere in the middle. It's not the team we saw at Michigan and Rutgers. It's probably definitely not the team that got to number six in the country. Um, while the margin of for error is not quite as thin as it's been in, in recent years, it's, it's, you know, it's not like this team can afford, it's not like the 2014, 2015 groups, that had were so good offensively that they could have rough moments and rough defensive moments and, and still survive. It's just that, you know, that's not going to happen. This team still needs to do a lot of little things well and kind of got away from that. I, uh, I keep watching this team and looking for, I've seen at times them pass on the open look. And then I've seen at times where they do pass the basketball and they try to move it around only to watch the clock begin to wind down. And it seems like at times panic sets in and they don't handle it real well. And it results in a turnover. There's got to be a happy medium somewhere in there, you know? Yeah. And the funny thing is that two years ago, they had Johnny Davis to kind of save possessions that were that were going nowhere. And then AJ stores a little bit of that guy this year. Um, but I, I don't know that they have the guy. And, and part of that's a good thing. I mean, there's the value in this team, or, or one of the good things about this team is um, the balance. You know, you don't, it's hard for defenses to guard this team because there's most times there's five guys out there that can score in double figures. And that's a good thing. But, you know, late in possessions, late in the game, 
who do you rely on? Who do you count on? Who's your go-to guy? And I still think this is a team that needs to play through the post and Crowell and, and Wall um, and have A.J. Store attack the basket. But I, I do think there's a little bit of uncertainty within this team on, on who, you know, who do you go to late in the game when you really need a basket? Who um, the, the expectations when they were sixth in the country, I said, look, you've you got to get to a sweet 16. If, if that's where you're going to yeah. be in the level you're going to play, you've got to get there. Should we now adjust, begin to adjust those, those thoughts, or should we say, no, this is where you're capable of playing, this is where you need to be? No, I still think this is a – I think that's how a lot of people are going to measure this season, and I think they should. I mean, this team proved for a long time. This wasn't, it wasn't a fluky, you know, good week or two. It was, it was a couple-month stretch, and they beat some really good teams um, and, and got into that mix where you could kind of start to, to consider a long run in the tournament. So I still think that's going to be the measure. I mean, they – Got to get to the tournament, got to win a couple of games. It's hard to evaluate that right now without seeing a bracket and seeing what their path's going to look like. And, and, you know, they need to stay healthy. That's a big thing, too. That's the, the thing that two years ago that team didn't do was it didn't stay healthy down the stretch. It lost Chucky Hepburn in the tournament. Johnny Davis was playing on an ankle that wasn't 100%. So we didn't see the best of that team. So this team has to stay healthy because it's just, you know, it's, it's not so deep that it can't afford uh, injuries to a few players. But, Again, like I, I look at the way this team played in, in December and January um, and, and see a really, really good team there that, that in theory should be one of the top 15 or 16 teams in the country. And so that's what you're going to be evaluated on next month. I look at the Iowa game coming up, and this is another one of those games in which you've got a team that's under 500 in the Big Ten. They're decent. They're not great by any stretch of the imagination. This is on the road, going to be in a hostile environment. So this, to me, is like the, okay, you beat Ohio State, but if you can stack a little success and then face Indiana and all that kind of stuff, and Maryland then upcoming after that, where you can start to get on a roll, maybe then get a little bit of mojo going against Illinois before finally the end of the season rolls around and you got to face Purdue at Purdue. You know what I mean? And maybe they kind of end on that high note. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's possible. Like I said, I look at the schedule. It's favorable. Um, it's, you know, there's – I think they're going to be favored in pretty much every game down the stretch except for at Purdue and maybe at home against Illinois. Um, so, yeah, there's a chance here to make up some ground and get back in that, you know, three-seed territory, um, and then you go in with you go in the tournament with a lot of confidence. So I, I think it's possible, but, again, it's, it's one game right now. It starts on Saturday at Iowa, and that's a tough game for all the reasons you mentioned. Um, this, frankly, the thing I'm watching for most on Saturday is how good is this defense play. Um, because it's been a weak spot this year, and Iowa can put points on the board in a hurry. Um, the defense needs to be better than it was at Michigan and at Rutgers last week. With Wall and Storr and Crowell, how much of a piece does Chucky Hepburn need to be? Because last year we were kind of looking at him as maybe a little bit of that glue, that guy that needed to be the guy. And they haven't had to rely on him as much, even though he hit the big three last night. They haven't relied upon him as much at times. How much can he then kind of come in and and, and be that glue, still be that glue, even though he doesn't have to be? Yeah, I thought if you look at last night's game, I thought he was really good in a lot of ways. I mean, seven tur- seven assists, no turnovers. That's you obviously want that right. for your point guard. And the nine points, I think on five shots, that's you know very very efficient. I would like to see him get a little bit more aggressive, not force the issue, but. Um, he's proven in his career that he can hit big shots. And that's what I was talking about before, Bill, about not knowing what you're going to do in late shot clock and late game situations. I think Chucky's the natural, um, you know, starting point. If, if he's not taking the shot, he's, he's finding it for somebody else. And I think that's kind of who they have to be down the stretch when these games become more and more important. So I'd like to see him up his aggressiveness a little bit without the point of it being reckless. Um, 
And I think he has that in him. And, and you know, maybe that, that shot he hit down the stretch last night is can kind of be the impetus behind that. It's just, you know, spark something. Because he, he has been more of a distributor this year, and I understand why, because he's got so many guys around him that he wants to get involved. But I just think at some point they're going to need him to be more of a um, – a score first point guard at times. Um, last question, but at the beginning of the season, I said, hey, you need to get to the top four of the Big Ten and then do some damage in the tournament. They're number three in the Big Ten. The tournament is yet to be seen. So if they end up where they're at right now, wouldn't we consider this season a success overall? Yeah, it depends, Bill, how you look at the Big Ten. I just think the Big Ten is so um, weird this year, and it's it's got one great team. And it's down. You know, I mean, it's overall yeah, it's it's down. down. It's down except for, you know, you look at, you look deep in the conference and those aren't horrible teams like Rutgers. I mean, the Rutgers is a bottom four team right now. That's not a bad team. Um, it's just a lot of, a lot of parody, a lot of mediocrity, um, which when you're a team like Wisconsin, that's not a great team. Uh, you're going to lose to some of those teams. So I don't know, a top four finish. I thought all along that this team could finish top four. And I based part of that on the fact that I thought the big 10 was going to be down. Um, so it's held up its end of the bargain. Uh, I just I feel like I feel way better about this team if it didn't have the week it had last week. Um, but no doubt. Yes, I mean, it's made a jump this year, but again, I think so much of this fan base is not going to be convinced until uh, you know they make a run next month. Great stuff as always, Jim. Appreciate it. We will talk real soon, and uh, once we get into the tournament, we're going to bug the hell out of you, okay? Okay, thanks, Bill. Take care. Appreciate it, pal. There you go. Jim Polzina, the State Journal, joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline and good stuff from him. And he's right. I Look, you've got scores on this team, and Chucky Hepburn has been more of a distributor of the basketball than anything. But last night, I thought down the stretch, that big three that he hit, that pretty much iced things and put it away for the Badgers. And he's got that capability of doing it. And like he said, you know, you got, what, seven assists, no turnovers last night, efficient with the basketball. I'd like to see him become a little more aggressive as well and take some of the pressure. Because when what happens is when you start to have losing – streaks if you will suddenly your stars are starting to feel pressure and sometimes that's a good thing because that kind of elevates their game but this way if Chucky Hepburn starts to hit kind of alleviates some of that where other guys don't have to be so intensely dependent upon to kind of take you to the next level hey you know what I did want to make a mention of this and Kathy you were 100% correct she said look uh, the UW Green Bay Phoenix they're still the top spot in the Horizon League and we 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 would be remiss if we didn't recognize them as well they're having a hell of a season they're 12 and 3 right now in the conference, I think they, I think they have sixteen or seventeen wins overall, and you just, you know, kind of knock on wood that they win the tournament, and they find themselves in the tournament. You've also got Milwaukee, a little bit of a tough season. They're a game under five hundred, but seven and seven in Horizon League play. It's not going to get you there, but uh, it's a little bit of a down year after they kind of showed some progress last year. But right now, things aren't bad collegiately. Uh, in the state of Wisconsin. Let's do this. We're going to step out. We're going to take a quick break. We will come back and we will pick things up. We got a couple of segments left to go, including what do we miss? Stay tuned. We got more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. You had Fat Tuesday. Now you've got your Fish Fry Friday coming up. Buzzard Billy's on Pearl Street in La Crosse, Wisconsin. That's a place to go. The formerly 1860s Brick Hotel.
Beautiful spot right there on Pearl Street. And if you whether you go downstairs to Buzzer Billy's, upstairs to the Starlight Lounge for the craft cocktails or just a beer, you can do that as well. And uh, both places, awesome, awesome food, uh, wholeheartedly. I mean, I've been sitting here looking at some of the stuff on their Facebook and their Instagram pages that just makes your mouth drool. So <laughs> Buzzard Billy's uh, on Pearl Street in La Crosse. If you are out and about tonight, maybe even a little bit of Valentine's, go upstairs to the Starlight Lounge. Step back into the 1950s. Grab a couple of craft cocktails in the uh, in the lower lights, if you will, and uh, take the honey upstairs. There you go. Not a bad way to go. Starlight Lounge. Good place to go tonight if you want to do a date night for, uh, even though it's not an official weekend night, maybe for Valentine's Day. Both places awesome. Starlight Lounge and Buzzard Billy's on Pearl Street in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Uh, this one was from Jake, who says, uh, hey, Bill, have you uh, heard anything from your guys down in Cincinnati about the Reds? Um, what about their rotation? Is it going to get any better? They, you know. They've got some guys down there. Now, and to answer your question, no, I haven't really, you know, talked to Mo Egg or anybody like that uh, about them lately. We'll get all those guys on eventually as camp starts to unfold. But they've got Ashcraft. They've got Hunter Green, uh, Nick Lodolo, um, Abbott. Uh, they got quite a few guys. Williamson, they got some guys that they could rely upon uh, down there. I think Spears, um, Phillips, or Richardson, uh, both of those guys. But – Last year, they, they ranked 28th, 28th in rotation ERA last year. Think about that. They still won, uh, I think, 82 games, and their rotation was 28th. They can hit the ball, and they've added veterans, which is why I've said if they get any pitching at all, they're going to be tough to beat because that team can mash and they got a lot of they were ahead last year was supposed to be a rebuilding year remember they lost 100 games the year prior and last year was supposed to be a rebuilding year and all of a sudden they surprised people about mid portion of the season the team started to come together and there's something to be said for the same guys the same faces same clubhouse and they kept them all together they've added a couple of veteran pieces but even a guy like de la cruz ellie de la cruz who just burst onto the scene he you did find holes in his game but he's still an incredibly an incredible talent and so unbelievably fast, especially when he gets on the base paths. So they have ability. They're going to move guys around. You're going to see different infields and such, and guys can be shifted around, but that team can hit. They can run. They can steal bases. It's just a question as to whether or not that ERA is going to come down and that rotation is going to be better because if they're not, then it's going to end up basically the same. They're going to be a team that's going to show you a lot of flash, but they're going to lose games – you know, eight, eight, seven, six, four, stuff like that, rather than winning those games, four to two, five to four, stuff like that. So that that's that that team can mash, especially when the weather heats up down in that Ohio River Valley. But uh, they've got to have a better rotation. So we'll see. We'll see if those guys can actually pan out and and make something of the season. So, but good question. Uh, as far as the Cubs go, they same thing. They can hit the ball. They just got to be able to throw the ball better. And I, the one thing that I keep worrying about when it comes to the addition of Craig Council, Craig Council is just good at pushing certain buttons. He can put guys in a better circumstance to be successful. Now, whether it's seven, eight, nine games more successful, I, I don't know. But it, it's he's got that ability. Craig Council very rarely loses games. But he can, through moves and certain matchups win you games. Now, we all know there are certain decisions that are going to stick with you, and you're going to say, well, that sucked. But overall, you can't argue with the record. The record is what it is. And he's been doing it with the analytics side. He's been very much 
to embrace the analytics. And if they change the analytics with that team, then, yeah, maybe they can win a few more games. So uh, I still think Cincinnati's going to be the team for the Brewers to beat just for, for the fact that they can beat the hell out of the baseball. But we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, please feel free to go ahead and do so. We got uh, what do we miss coming up here in a few. Our buddy Twain says, good thing. Uh, good thing the Kansas City player wasn't carrying around the sheep. <laughs> People would be saying, he's my dad. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, if you're just tuning us in, Pacheco, uh, during the, the running back for the Kansas City Chiefs during the parade today, carrying around a goat, carrying a goat through the parade route. So there you go. Uh, Brett says the Cubs have the best rotation in the National League Central. Cy Young candidate in steel uh, in Wanga. In Wanaga, uh, Hendricks, uh, Talonwicks, um, they're the best. I think they're really good. I just don't know if they're going to be able to put it all together. I agree with you. The one thing the Brewers have is they've got decent starting pitching. They've got a really good back end of the bullpen, and they've got that that young outfield that can play – I mean, they can't hit home runs, but they, they play a lot of station-to-station baseball. The Reds have the ability to power the ball in the ballpark with almost anybody. But they also have the ability to play station-to-station baseball, which makes them such uh, – and their window right now is just opening for that for that Reds team, where the Brewers uh, obviously have a, a veteran like Christian Yelich, Adamas, Contreras. You know, you have a few of those guys, which is always good. But the Brewers also now have a, a crop of four or five young, talented guys coming up that have, and that's not even including the pitching staff, that have the ability to play. So that's why I'm so excited for the top of the National League Central. Um, so we'll, we'll wait and see. And we'll get more in-depth into that as uh, you know the camps open up and we start talking about it a little bit more. But I, I, I agree. I'm excited. It's still excited. measuring Cubs fans' confidence level and whether or not Cody Bellinger is going to be back. Still following that story into spring training. Yeah, I haven't seen you know, anything new there. No, I haven't either. And and Cody Bellinger kind of had – he did have a reclamation season, but it's kind of like Christian Yelich. They both were battling for the MVP. You know, obviously Yelich won it. Bellinger didn't. Has tailed off a little bit. But both guys, man, they crashed and burned hard. And then they started to reclaim the, the, the offensive ability. Bellinger started to do it last year. Certainly Christian Yelich did it last year. Uh, the power numbers aren't the same uh, for either guy as to what they were going three, four years ago. Um, going back to 2019, but I, I just I, I can't remember when I've seen players battling for an MVP that just both dove, I mean, into into the abyss and were nothing, and then had to come back and, and refocus and kind of reclaim the career. Now. You know, the cool thing for Christian Yelich is he's had the comfort of doing it in the Brewers organization, and he's got an owner that absolutely loves him. While Cody Bellinger, it was like, hey, we, we are a $300 million group here, and if you're not carrying your weight, we'll just buy you out and you can go elsewhere. You can get the hell out. And that's what they did. Then he goes to Chicago, another big market team, where he started to kind of get it going again, and now he's he's waiting to see what's going to happen. But, you know, that's that's another guy that he he's kind of an enigma, man. Will he ever be what he once was, just like we wonder here with Christian Yelich? At least Christian Yelich gave you some consistency. Now the question is, do you go, what's the over and under on home runs for Christian Yelich this year, 23? And by the way, did you see Christian Yelich, the picture he took? Uh, I, I, I can't remember who he was with. 
dude's bulked up. Last year he added some uh, muscle, and this year you, you can tell. Just look at the guy's arms this year. Holy mackerel. He is not the only one that's bulked up, and I'll tell you more maybe in our next segment for What Did We Miss? I have some, oh, uh, some Brewers oh. body updates, if you will. That, that's called a tease in the business. A tease. We'll go with that. Stay I've, tuned. I've learned go a ahead. thing or two from you. You Right? There, there's a few things. You know, that's called a tease in the business to hold you out. It's the body index update via the Milwaukee Brewers, and that's coming up next as we round things out on the Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michael Show. We continue on. Hey, got to say thanks to our friends at Dream Vacations. Your dream starts here for a resort, cruise, sport travel, vacation needs, whatever it happens to be. Uh, let Melissa and Michael give you a hand. 414-208-4221. 414-208-4221. And this time of year, everybody's looking to make a, kind of a short escape somewhere, right? And if they can help you out, they will. It's Dream Vacations, 414-208-4221, based right here in the state of Wisconsin. Melissa and Michael, they're glad to give you a hand and help you out. And it's a veteran-owned company, so another good way to go. Um, One other note here real quick, and where the hell was it? I was looking at something. Oh, we were talking about the Kansas City Royals, um, uh, Grant, uh, about the new building down there. Yes. I was looking at the renderings. At least they would keep the falls. They're keeping the fountains and the falls out in the outfield where, like, Kauffman Stadium is so iconic for that. Uh, but when they want to put it downtown, I had to ask. I couldn't remember who the hell played at that T-Mobile Center in the middle because Kansas City doesn't have, like, an NHL team. It's the Kansas, Kansas Jayhawks. They play there occasionally, and it's where they have concerts and all that kind of stuff. So they have that downtown. They want to build it right next to that. It would become kind of an entertainment venue. Much like if, say, you would put, say, you know, American Family Field in the middle of downtown next to the Pfizer Forum, it would be that kind of place, an entertainment district. I can see what it is they're trying to do. I get it. And uh, down in Kansas City, they would keep the, a little bit of the old, mix it in with the new. It's a beautiful ballpark, but they would kind of shoehorn it in uh, right there by the interstate and the T-Bombal Center and then fix up that entire area. That's kind of their vision. So anyway, I, I just if you haven't seen it, go to the Kansas City Royals on X. And you can find it there. Just go at Royals and you'll find it. So anyway, all right. What do we miss? Todd Rosiak, Journal Sentinel, tweeted this about an hour ago. William Contreras and Andrew Monasterio are both noticeably muscled up from last season. And Contreras wasn't a small guy to begin with. So we have some guys, best shape of their life. That's classic preseason fodder. Right. On the flip side, this is kind of funny. Wade Miley is actually looking to put on some weight as an offseason illness knocked him down a little bit. Yeah, that kicks ass. Showing up to camp. Yeah, I actually gotta, I gotta put on a couple yeah. pounds before the season now, starts. It, it all depends because I always say pitchers they don't want you bulking up, so not via the weights. So what does he do? Does he like right around the corner? They've got you know Wendy's over there. I think they still. I don't know if it's a Sonic or what it is right down the street. There's a Walmart around the corner. Does he just start heading over there and stocking up on the Hostess donuts and? A little bit of Sonic or the Wendy's, you know, Baconator and all that kind of stuff? Or does he, you know, kind of do it the, 
the way of which he needs to bulk up or at least do a little weight training and strength training and muscle training in the gym. I just think in and out burger mostly and, it? and okay. maybe some, you know, small weight stuff. You know, There's a lot of that out there. The in and out burger is uh, is oh, yeah. all over the place out there in Arizona. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Big time. All right. What else do we got? Well, I have some stats here on the Bucks. I'm going to talk about this on my show tonight. I have the splits, Damian Lillard in wins versus losses. It's getting to the point now where, like, unless Dame like plays pretty darn well, they're going to they're going to lose, right? This is right. A, a line of demarcation between wins and losses. In wins, he's 45 percent from the field. In losses, he's 35 from three. He's 38 in wins, which is still, I mean, your better nights you want to be a lot higher than 38. Yeah. In losses, he's 24 percent. He just has not really been the player that the Bucks wanted him to be or were hoping that he would be when they acquired him. I'm not trying to pick on him or scapegoat him. He just hasn't. No, the but, haven't been there. no I completely agree with you. It's not picking on him. Those are the facts. And and there are times where, and I said this today, and I, I, I can even point it at Dame, and maybe it's just because you're trying to fit in, but we're past the midway point of the season, dude. You either fit in or you don't. And I know he's had the Dame time big bucket, you know, to end a game, but he hasn't done it consistently. Um, and, yeah, you can pick on him at this point. Because we all knew. Look, I've always said if you can't hit, then you better play defense and figure out a way to make yourself valuable in any contest. And he he's either hitting or he's not. And if he's not, that, he tends to go away. And I think that's – if there's anything that irritates Giannis, that's it. Because Gian, Giannis – let's be honest. Giannis, a high tide is supposed to raise all ships, and I don't think he does all the time. But Giannis is always busting his ass. But when Dame isn't hitting – he reminds me a lot of Jermichael Finley. When Jermichael Finley didn't get the ball early on in a ball game, he just he was lost. He just looked disinterested. Dame at times looks disinterested. He doesn't have a ton of emotion unless he makes a big bucket. Then he gets to point to his watch on his hand. But beyond that, if he's not doing it, he looks disinterested. And and he's one of you supposedly one of your leaders. So I agree with you. He's got to figure it out. Yeah, part of that is you know Giannis is compared to other stars, right? He's a little bit more ball dominant, right? If he gets the ball in the post. Um, he, he's going to be holding on to the ball. Damian Lillard's going to be waiting. Giannis isn't running and cutting and spotting up for jump shots uh, when he doesn't have the ball. Dame's a good passer. Right. He's a great passer and a good creator. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to see his play stabilize a little bit as this season goes along. That's right. all. Just a little. I'm not asking yep. him to be the greatest player of all time, but need a little bit more than this. You need a lot more than that in the postseason. Yes, Let's at least at least I mean, the, the formula is you need it four times out of seven games, theoretically, yeah. right? That's right. that's the clip that he needs to be performing at or any of these guys need to be performing at. Right. What else you got? That's about it. We covered just about all of our bases today. Loved having Jim on uh, and we're going to have some more Brewers folks tomorrow. Chuck Freeman going to be here and Kurt Hogue from the Journal sent a little bit when Chuckers head now to uh, head now to Arizona. He might be there already, let's be honest. Yeah? Yeah, he, well, he lives for that. Well, where's Ario play... on tour? Are they on tour right now? I'll look it up. Yeah, but he's also a, an avid golfer. Him and Shannon are out every day. So, and Shannon plays. So, if if he can get out to Arizona early and do just a Lockdown Brewers podcast and be a part of that and play golf in the afternoon, that's you will find Chuck like a mole. He will be crawling under greens and fairways and all kinds of stuff. He will be all over the place. So, I, I, I would bet you're right. He might be uh, already – 
you know, he's got his clubs out. He's polishing them. He's cleaning out all the grooves and all the irons and stuff. Yeah, he's he's getting ready for it. I'm going to write that down in my notes for tomorrow. Chuck, you've been polishing your club. Okay, got that <laughs> written down. We can start with that tomorrow. That'll be good. I think I used it in the term of plural, but okay, we can go with that. Yeah, okay, we'll Clubs, good, it. good, good. Clubs, clubs, yes, clubs. There you go. All right, that's going to do it. Good stuff today. Uh, tomorrow we're on the downside of the week, so that's not a bad way to go. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Hopefully you get out and enjoy it. you got your first Fish Fry Friday officially coming up this weekend, so we got that as well. Uh, we'll be into it all the rest of the week, uh, so hopefully we'll see you back here 20 hours from now. Time for us to go. Have a good one. Hoo!